After weeks of dissertations, exams and visits to London, I am back. Yes, your saviour has returned. This is Jumpers for Gopos World Review, the show that takes an in-depth look at the goings-on in European football and across the globe. I'm your pretentious host, Colin Stone, and I'm joined, as ever, by Peter McVitie and Andy Ferguson. Peter, how are you? I'm fantastic, thank you, Colin. It's, it's great to have you back from... London town and Andrew, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Andy, I listened to the show that you hosted. Um, there were a few jibes in there aimed at me, a few barbs. Any oh, any comments to make? I think it was the best time to take advantage of the fact you weren't there. <laughs> I mean, come on, you can't deny some of them were pretty spot on. They were. I'll, I'll be honest, they were, but it uh, doesn't mean they didn't hurt a lot. Yeah, I'm not going to say sorry. <laughs> anyway, coming up on the show, we have news from La Liga, Eredivisie, Liga and Bundesliga, and of course the Serie A. But we start with, now I must add here, Peter, for the first time ever, has written my schedule. Basically, the, the talking points will be going to, and the number one in caps lock says Zanetti. Oh Lord, please know Zanetti. This is the news, of course, that Javi Zanetti has torn his Achilles yes. in a match at the weekend. Now, Pete, why are you so distraught about this injury? Obviously, Zanetti's a legendary player, but does this end his playing career? No, it doesn't, but it means that we have to go um, between six to eight months, maybe longer than that, um, maybe longer than eight months without Xavi Zanetti, which I must admit, I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to go on. Uh, it strikes fear <laughs> in strong. my heart. Be it's, strong. I mean, I, I, I read about it yesterday and I, I just thought... My goodness, what am I going to do in my life? Zanetti is is gone. He's not died. He's not. No, but it feels like it. I must admit. I mean, there is the genuine bereavement process. I, I think I'm, I'm about to go through with this with this ho- horrendous news. But it, it stays strong. He did say that he's going to come back stronger. His career isn't over. And. I believe him. Okay, let's look at the facts. He's a veteran defender. He's, he's one of years old. one of the old all-time greats. Thirty-nine years old. Andy, is it time for him just to perhaps accept this injury and realise it's time for him to go? Right, I can kind of agree why Pete is close to tears in the corner here. I mean, come on, the guy's a legend. Oh, oh don't worry. I'm I'm not disagreeing. That he's a legend, but is it time for him? I mean, he's well, thirty-nine years old. Well, That's you never know. He's never been injured before in his career. Yes, he might be thirty-nine, but his body's probably still fairly strong and can handle a return. I mean, yes, he might be old, but he's still probably twice the player that most of the Inter Milan team are this season. Okay, surely, like, surely his age it doesn't matter that how many years he's spent on this planet. He is <laughs> a fantastic player, and he's been one of the best players in in Serie A. Um, His fitness is almost impeccable. I read read, uh, on Paolo Bandini's article in The the Guardian today that he has played over 90% of Inter Milan's games since 1995. I mean, that is phenomenal. He's never never declined. This is the thing. He's never declined. This is why we're in sheer awe of him because he just keeps on going and he's such an an incredibly admirable and, and fantastic player. He never dives, he never moans, he, he, he never... He you very never... rarely makes a mistake. Yeah. How often do you read about Javier Zanetti making a mistake that was crucial to the way a game's panned out he as goes, well? He goes 100 miles an hour for okay. 90 minutes okay. every week. Let's say Zanetti so does make a return. Does he get back into the squad? I mean, he is. He's getting on. He'll probably be 40 by the time yeah. he returns. Assuming, well, assuming he's fit and uh, assuming that he can still go on, then yeah, I mean, if he gets back to even 90% of what he is now, then I think he, he's... He's, he'll walk into the team. 
Now, from the game itself, Inter actually went down 1-0 away to Palermo. How does this affect Inter's European hopes and also Palermo's relegation worries? Well, Inter, it affects They've fallen away from, from the Europa League uh, spots again. But they, they definitely can still come back from it. It's only, I think, a, a, a two, three-point gap, which is, is entirely recoverable. Uh, Palermo, I think, are now uh, just outside of the relegation zone on goal difference, I believe. Um, so they are still in danger, but it's a good step for them, a good scalp to claim Inter Milan. So um, nothing too much to get excited about for Palermo, but nothing too severe to worry about for Inter. Now their rivals AC Milan stay in the final Champions League spot, coming twice from behind to beat Catania 4-2, thanks to super sub Gianpaolo Pazzini. Now AC Milan came from behind to register the triumph at the San Siro. Fiorentina had earlier ousted Massimiliano Allegri's side from the third spot after their 3-0 win away to Sampdoria earlier on Sunday, ensuring the San Siro carried an air of trepidation for the game against the Elefanti. I love saying that word. Stefan El Sharawi was reunited with Mario Balotelli up front after the latter return from suspension, with Antonio Nocerino and Marco Amelia also handed rare starts as Milan remounted their bid for Champions League qualification next season. We've covered this point before, we've perhaps laboured it a little, that Milan's kind of ageing squad is still in a transition process. This season's been a wee bit of a write-off, perhaps not as strong as they would have liked. Do you see them as title contenders for next term? It's difficult to say now simply because, well, we don't know who they're going to bring in and who they're going to let go in the summer. But I think their attacking trio of Balotelli, El Shrawi and, and Niang is, is one of, of great po- uh, potential uh, and is highly potent. Um, I think they'll be, if they if they build on from, from this half season they've enjoyed together, I think they'll be a fantastic team. Well, they, they, they'll be a fantastic trio to lead the line. The rest of the squad, I think, falls into place. Um, there are a lot of, of improvements Milan need to make. I'm now not entirely sure if Antonio Nocerino is of the quality required for AC Milan, I have to admit. A wonderful start last season, um, but he's fallen away and become a bit of an average player. I think last season he relied a lot on Ibrahimovic as well because a lot of the goals came between the fantastic link-up play between Nocerino and Ibrahimovic and obviously Milan were going to miss Ibra after he moved to PSG and have done in a big way uh, for large parts of this season but I think Nocerino's form's really decreased with that as well. He's been one of the, the main uh, people that have really suffered for a lack of Ibrahimovic and the players like Pizzini was effectively the replacement and he's just not the same kind of player he's come in and done a fine job himself it's just the the overall stature of it was more relying on Ibrahimovic rather than someone like Pizzini mm-hmm. and I think um, that's obviously hindered several players not Chirino being one of them it was a great performance from Milan though because they were totally dominant throughout the game and they went behind twice and at the start of the season, if that happened to Milan, even if they were dominating the game and they went behind, they, they completely capitulated and gave up. So Pazzini came off the bench and fired in two quick-fire goals to to level and then put them ahead, which was, was absolutely incredible when it shows their desire. And the, the strength that they do have, which I think has been underrated considering... Uh, what they have gone through this season but it shows shows a lot for Milan Now we mentioned Fiorentina remaining one point behind Milan with their 3-0 win over Sampdoria who do you see out of Milan Fiorentina grabbing that final Champions League spot? It's tough I mean both have very good sides me personally I would quite like to see Fiorentina get it because I would like to see them in a Champions League place competing mm-hmm. in Europe next season but also if they were to get that uh, qualification then think of the, the the players that they could bring to that club I mean it's a stellar squad they've got already that midfield is magnificent 
um, giving a few players of additional quality to that team, maybe another out-and-out great striker. They could probably go on and do fairly well in both the league and in Europe. If they That, that might do well also in keeping uh, Stefan Jovetic at the club as well because he, obviously he's been linked with a move away almost every transfer window for the past two and a half years. But with Champions League football there, um, he might be encouraged to stay, which would be positive. Elsewhere in Serie A, Roma moved into the Europa League spot after they hammered Siena 4-0, with Pablo Osvaldo netting hat-trick and Eric Lamela scoring the remainder. Juventus maintained their 11-point lead over Napoli with a 2-0 win over arch-rivals Torino, courtesy of an Arturo Vidal screamer before Claudio Marchisio's injury-time goal secured the points in the derby. Napoli blitzed past relegation fodder Pescara 3-0 at the Adriatico on Saturday to delay Juventus' expected title celebrations for another week. Goals from Inler, Pandev and Blerin Gizmali sailing all the points for the Naples side. Now, Napoli have performed admirably in the Europa League and in the Serie A this season. They have perhaps not sustained that title push that they earlier promised. How do you see next season panning out for them? I mean, let's say that Cavani probably will leave there's been talk of bringing in Leandro Damiao as a replacement, but do you see them perhaps falling to mid-table, maybe Europa League again? Well, it's going to be a big season for them next year. Obviously, the, the rumours with Cavani aren't going to go away as long as he stays there. Um, also, there's a lot of uncertainty over the future of Walter Matazzari. Um, earlier in the week, there was um, a, a big rumour of him possibly going to Roma at the end of the season as well. Um, he was apparently spotted in Rome and that fueled so much speculation um, so next year is going to be a big task if they keep Cavani then that's, a, that's one big step but they need to bring in more quality as well um, this season they lost Lovetsy I don't think they've really um, sort of recovered from that um, Insigne came in and he's done fine but not to the same impact as Lovetsy had on that squad um, Hamshik's still there so that's good but they, they need more quality over all places in the pitch and I think next season whoever's in charge be it Matt Zari is going to have a big job to sustain it and keep them as a challenging side I think they'll definitely be challenging for Europe but whether for the title it's too early to say Now we go over to La Liga where Barcelona must wait at least another week to wrap up the league title after they conceded a late goal in the 2 all draw at Atletico Bilbao Athletic Bilbao sorry Victory for Barca and defeat for second place Real Madrid at City Neighbours Atletico in the later kickoff would have given the leaders an unassailable 16 point advantage with 5 minutes left but Barcelona could only draw and Real Madrid's 2-1 victory over their City rivals trimmed the gap to 11 points Bilbao without a win in 6 Liga games against Barca at their San Mamés Stadium took a surprise 27th minute lead when Arturitz Aduritz crossed for Markel Suseta to finish from close range. Messi's wonder goal followed by a goal from Alexis Sanchez looked to have sealed all the points for the Catalan side but a last minute goal from Herrera ensured the points were shared. Now the league title is assured and we've already covered Champions League football in the JFG video which you can watch on YouTube slash JFG podcast. As for Messi, I mean, his wonder goal was simply sensational. I don't know if you saw the goal yeah. TV commentary for a particular highlight from Ray Hudson. But as for Messi, I mean, he's been doing this for so long, saving his club, coming off the bench to win the point. Is there almost like a backup plan for when Messi, I mean, he doesn't seem to be very injury prone, but let's say he does have a long-term injury. What do Barcelona do? I mean, you saw how badly they played against Bayern. Yeah, well, th- this is this is the issue, I think. The fact that he came off the bench against Paris Saint-Germain and lifted the team incredibly and and pl- completely changed the tie in Barcelona's favour. Favor. 
his absence all essentially from the the game against Bayern Munich and the the game on on Saturday when he came off the bench and when they were down and just changed the game he scored an absolute fantastic goal then he set up Sanchez with a header what what a leap by the way I mean the guy's <laughs> the guy's knee height a grasshopper and he, he he's got your up. size yeah he is actually um, and he got up and, and he headed up absolutely fantastically um, to like to a Sanchez. salmon and I think this is this is something corner salmon <laughs> yeah of course anyway um, <laughs> I think this is something that Barcelona have been building towards for, for two years now because last season they looked in almost well increasingly at least dependent on Lionel Messi and this season at this very important stage when the form has dropped a lot when there's a lot of questions being asked about the quality of this team the sustainability of their dominance in, in La Liga and in Europe now it's become essentially clear that they are relying on Lionel Messi they they, with a, a, such a wonderful team, wonderful players that they've got, it seems that when they come up against formidable opponents, or even Athletic Bilbao, who this season you wouldn't really call formidable opponents, although <laughs> they were at home uh, and they are on a, a better run, but it shows that they, they still can't see out a, a game. And if you compare that to the likes of Real Madrid, who, <clears throat> who beat Atletico without Cristiano Ronaldo, or Bayern Munich, who won at the weekend with half a team, or Borussia Dortmund, who won at the weekend with half a team as well. They, they they rested so many players and they still saw out the job. Whereas with without Messi, Barcelona were absolutely flat and had nothing about them. And when they come on, they still couldn't secu- secure the points. And I don't think it it proves that this is what's that it's entirely me- uh, Messi, but it, it shifts the argument so much more in, in the favour of that. I think there's a long way before with too too small a sample size, shall we say, to 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 come to a definitive conclusion with this but I think the argument suggests that Barcelona are far too reliant on Messi and they cannot they, they cannot continue this this fantastic performance in Europe and in La Liga without Lionel Messi some pr- best. fairly pejorative conclusions from Pete there now Real Madrid recovered from their BVB humiliation in midweek to beat the rivals Atletico Madrid in the derby in the capital with one Fran's own goal cancelling out Radamel Falcao's early opener and then an Angel Di Maria scoring the winner halfway through the second period now Real Madrid will be focusing all their attention on the Champions League second leg semi-final but with Mourinho seemingly on the way out I mean, is there any real point? It feels like a almost uh, winding up the end of season early for Real Madrid. There's no real point in continuing because league's gone, Champions League's gone. What else is there to play for? Yeah, but they have to secure the the Champions League spot exactly. uh, behind Barcelona. I mean, they have to finish second, otherwise it'd be a, almost a crime. Um, and obviously they boosted their chances of this, but the, I mean, they, they have to try and bounce back from this defeat at Borussia Dortmund. It's been done before. Um, if there's a team that can do it, it's probably Real Madrid, um, and with Mourinho, and I think they, there is still a lot to play for. Where we're in the Champions League, you can still win it. Um, I don't think they will, but they do have a chance. I've got to say, and and they they have to secure second place. I think if you look at the two Champions League ties, I think Real Madrid have got a better chance of overcoming Dortmund than uh, Barcelona mm-hmm. do of beating Bayern. Um, and that's that, I don't know whether that shows maybe the the difference between the two teams this year are uh, the strength of Real Madrid right now. Uh, since the turn of the year, they've been on great form, Real Madrid. And uh, that result of the weekend against uh, Atletico was testament to that because um, Atletico played very well. Uh, they had probably the better of the chances and uh, Real just showed their dominance, were able to 
to take a game by the scruff of the neck and, and pull through it, which is something that Barcelona really haven't been able to do as of late. Um, so I think the, the weekend's result for uh, Real um, shouldn't be underestimated. I think it was a massive result for them in order to try and secure second place. And um, I think they've got to keep going till the end of the season unless... Because think of the uproar in Madrid if uh, if Real <laughs> get beat by their city rivals to second place in the table. That would that would be just wrong in the eyes of many Spanish people. Um, so I think, yeah, they've got to keep going. I, I don't think the season's done yet. Now, Real Sociedad thrashed Valencia 4-2 to further enhance their chances of securing a Champions League spot. La Real's now sit in fourth place, five points ahead of Malaga and Valencia, with as many games to be played. How surprised are you at Sociedad's claim this season? I mean, nobody would have predicted their rise to the Champions League spot this year. Well, I think it's great to see because obviously Sociedad, maybe about five, six years ago, they were there or thereabouts. They chased Real Madrid right to the death in the title challenge when they had players like uh, Nihat and uh, Kovacevic, and that was a great team. And I think this team is probably maybe just as good. Um, there's so many great young players coming through in that Sociedad side, and I'm really excited to see them and hopefully in uh, Europe's top competition next season because... Um, again, similar to Fiorentina, as I was talking about them in Italy, think of the players that they'll be able to, to draw to that squad as well. But again, uh, Montani, the coach, has done a great job there. He's, he's bred youth. Um, they played a game through the whole uh, this season. They played a game where it was all homegrown players, and that was a, a great achievement for them. And they, they released a statement saying how proud they were to have done that. And I, I think it's great for Sociedad. I, I, I thought maybe they would get Europa League with the team that they had on show. Champions League's maybe a bit surprising, but as I said, I'm more than happy to see them there. Pete's waving in the corner, but my question to you is, with the financial fair play rules coming in, will we be seeing more of these kind of, like you say, an entire youth squad playing uh, Um, in the first team? We're really unsure about how this is going to go, because, I mean, it looks as like the it looks as if the teams that have the biggest fan bases and bring in the biggest revenue will be able to spend the big money and, and it looks like they'll be able to create a bigger gap between the themselves and the poor. I mean, because the, the, the other teams aren't going to have as much money to spend, so they can't they can't, they can't can't go into debt, they can't bring in good players, more expensive players. It, it forces the other teams to, to focus on youth development but I think for at least for the first couple of years, at least I think we'll we'll see a, a, a bigger gap growing between between uh, the the rich and the poor. But on Sociedad, I think it's a surprise to see them doing what they're doing now, based on last season um, mm-hmm. and the start of the season they had uh, now. But they are they've been absolutely incredible. I mean, January was the last time they lost a game. Um, and the form that they've been on is absolutely impeccable, and it, it really, as Andy said, it's wonderful to see. I mean, beating a team like Valencia four two is is remarkable for any team, but for Real Sociedad to do it, I think is is great, and it would be fantastic to see them go on and and clinch the Champions League spot. Some of the football and the goals they scored, particularly in the Valencia game, was just amazing mm-hmm. to see. Um, their third goal was just complete um, counter attack football at its very best, but some of the skill involved in that and. Igarechi, the striker, his uh, fourth goal in stoppage time uh, again was a, a mistake from the Valencia defence, but he chipped it over the goalkeeper. It was just immense a skill, belter. so good. And I'm, as I'm saying, I'm very happy to see Sociedad do that, and hopefully they'll be able to continue next season. I was expecting Pete to say stotter. I was going to, but he was talking. So I was going to say succulent. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Stotter is my. No, you have to say in your, you have to say in your voice. 
I stutter. <laughs> there I we go. I don't know what voice you're There we go. <laughs> now it gets tighter at the other end of the table as Celta Vigo and Real Zaragoza both picked up victories to boost their hopes of staying in Spain's top division for another season. Deportivo can pull themselves out of the relegation zone if they avoid defeat to Real Batiste tonight. And if you're listening to this later in the week on Monday. Now over to the Bundesliga where Bayern and Dortmund rested their main players but still managed to record victories in the league. Jordan Shakiri's first half strike was enough for the champions to see out the challenge of European hopefuls Freiburg whilst Jurgen Klopp made 10 changes to the side which beat Real Madrid in midweek but still managed to beat Fortuna Dusseldorf in the Esperit Arena although it was Fortuna Dusseldorf Eintracht Frankfurt drew with Mainz to slip three points behind occupiers of the final Champions League spot Schalke who demolished Hamburg 4-1 with three goals coming from Klaas-Jan Huntelaar upon his return from injury. Now, before we get onto this, I can f- I feel already this is going to turn as Zanetti, as Zanetti did earlier. Um, you know, a few bars being thrown my way. Pete, now don't try and cry, or don't cry rather when I say this. Huntelaar has been away, but Schalke seemingly having haven't missed him really. Your thoughts on that? Christ, this is going to turn into a second-year university no, yeah. conversation again when you both fought each other on a daily basis <laughs> over Huntelaar's good. No, he's not. Uh, sorry, that's a rule reversal. That's a horrible <laughs> impression. I mean, I'm a bit offended by it. But yeah, you're right. Um, they have covered for it remarkably well. I mean, they but they do have a lot of good players. They, they I think they've recovered from the entire issues that, that plagued the team in the first half with Hoop Stevens and, and Klaus and Huntelaar as well because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, let's be honest I mean the team wasn't playing well he wasn't playing well Hoop Stevens is, was having wasn't a, playing was having well a, yeah, was having an absolute mare um, and yeah they've, they've, they've covered for it immensely they have but I think it's I don't think there's any downside to having Klaus Jan Huntelaar back especially when in his first game back, he scores three goals so I think maybe he'll boost the team even further and show how much they, they really have missed them with another four hat tricks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> as for as for Schalke next season, how does this affect them? I mean, do you see any big name departures? Any, um, you know, someone like Huntelaar, perhaps? I mean, he signed a new contract, but other players maybe sticking around, heading off to pastures new. I don't think we'll see too many departures because they they're such a well-run club I mean they do have a lot of debt but I think they're, they're building towards fixing that I, I think we'll see Julian Draxler stay of course and Puke I do think Huntelaar will stay he's been linked to a lot of moves he always is though this time mm-hmm. of the year always without fail it uh, doesn't matter what his contract situation is um, and they have Bastos for another year as well so um, I, I don't think we'll see too many people going but I think they have to make a lot of improvements though mm-hmm. if they're going to narrow the gap between them and, and Bayern Munich and, and Borussia Dortmund and, and maybe Leverkusen but German League's such a weird league and Schalke are such a weird team that maybe they'll be champions next season I wouldn't rule it out and they have <laughs> weird supporters too Pete Andy what are your thoughts I totally agree with Pete I think it's all about keeping the players there next season um, I think keeping the spine of that team they need to keep Hovedes they need to keep Papadopoulos he's been linked with a move away um, to Manchester City I read recently um, he's he's such a good defender Papadopoulos I think he needs to stay uh, or I think Schalke need to keep him in order to push on but they also need to keep Draxler and need to keep Huntelaar too um, as Pete said there are they need to make some changes across the squad they need to um, bring in a few more players of real quality in order to challenge or else it may end up being like another season like this year um, but as Pete said as well Bundesliga is very strange there's always one team there or thereabouts that y- you never really expect to be there a few years ago it was Wolfsburg 
this season there's been a lot of teams like Frankfurt and Freiburg challenging for Champions League right mm-hmm. up until the last few weeks of the season. You so yeah, allowed. this is ridiculous. Well, that's strength yeah. in the Bundesliga. What are they thinking? Terrible. Some say it's the best league in Europe. Having Some a, say having a highly competitive league. I mean, this is just absurd. This isn't allowed. Exactly. Why are they more like Scotland? Now, in the relegation places, Augsburg beat Stuttgart to pull themselves level with Fortuna Dusseldorf and two points behind Werder Bremen, who's come to third place Bayer Leverkusen. Bremen, who have remained in the top half of the table for several seasons until the last few years, where they've dropped to mid-table and now are in danger of relegation. Andy Thomas Schaff is the longest-serving manager in the Bundesliga. He's been around for 14, 15 years. Is it time for him to go? Well, we spoke about this a few months ago, and I said hopefully not... But Werder just seem to be getting worse and worse. It's a downward spiral. They're just going, keep going down and down and yeah. down. Yeah, um, it does get to a stage where you think, even for his sake, there's only so much you can do. Um, again, he's been a one club man, um, so he won't want to walk away. But is it maybe time to get rid of him? I'm not sure. Um, I think it's amazing the faith that they've shown in him because any other team that have gone down and down like this, they probably would have got rid of their manager a long time ago and it's quite we speak about it on GFG a lot about getting rid of managers too soon and I think it's quite a nice thing to see that Schaff has been kept on and um, there's been a lot of faith shown in him but I think maybe it might be time for him to walk away I think the issue is that they, they well the issues that they've had over the last two or three years have never ever been fixed the reliance on Claudio Pizarro over the last couple of years um, was never they never ever looked like fixing it at all and then when he leaves they haven't done enough to, to, to cover for him and I think whoever takes responsibility for that is the one who should go and I think if it's Thomas Schaff then maybe it's time to go and since you support them Colin I would like to see Thomas Schaff go and they bring in Felix McGat I was just about to say <laughs> Andy would you like to be the pundit for just 10 seconds and ask me my feelings Colin you're a Werder Bremen fan um, how do you see uh, Thomas Schaff's career being recently do you think he should go or do you reckon that he should still be kept on by the board I think Schaff has, he's done a terrific job to be honest um, I mean he has shown his Bremen colours through and through I mean winning the Bundesliga back in 2003 and then subsequent Champions League and Europa League finishes the last three seasons as Pete was saying I mean Pizarro was really central to the team but after his departure bringing in people like Nils Peterson, who's just not even in the same class, Marko Arnautovic, who's just a stupid boy, uh, petulant, and Torsten Frings hates him, and he just couldn't score. No, nobody even close to replacing Pizarro. But I think the main problem is in the creative part of midfield. I mean, they had Johan Miku back in the early noughties. Then Diego came in, was sensational. Then when Diego moved on, Mesut Ozil. Then Ozil moved on, Marco Marin. And then Marin, Marin's gone, and nobody's filled the void. I mean, it was kind of earmarked for Zlatko, Zlatko Janusovic, but he hasn't really stepped up. And I think those two, combined with Naldo's departure and even Tim Visa's depart- departure, the donkey, um, that has culminated in Bremen really struggling. And to be honest, I think relegation is, I mean, it's maybe not deserved, but where they are at the moment, I mean... It's just desserts, to be honest. Thanks, Colin, for that. Now, we're going to go into League Ant, where nine-man PSG struggled to overcome relegation, battling Evian by one goal to nil. Both Marco Verratti and David Beckham were sent off, and there was much debate over Bex's dismissal. Did you see the incident? I did. No, it's in France. <laughs> Andy, yeah, you saw it. Was it. Was it as debatable as people were making it out to be? Well, in France, that's the kind of tackle that you're going to get sent off for. It was high, it was over the ball, and he didn't connect with the defender, but there was obviously 
intent to go for the ball but was just measured very badly and in France as I said you would get sent off for that whereas maybe in England it would be more worthy of a yellow card apparently apparently as they like to say on Sky Sports yeah apparently but yeah the French league uh, the referees are are more strict than um, some other leagues around Europe so it was always going to be a red card in that situation I mean there's been some ludicrous red cards in France can, if you watch sort of English mm-hmm. football or Spanish football on a regular basis, you'll think, why Why is that even a, a yellow card? Um, but that was one that was probably deserving of a red under French football rules. Now, Javi Pastore scored the second half winner, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic was guilty of missing a number of chances. Zlatan has been linked with a move to Juve in recent times with Cavani coming to PSG. How likely do you see those two moves being? Well, me and Pete were talking about this um, last week. Um, it's all about Zlatan's agent, Mino Raiola. Um, his clients don't really seem to stick around at clubs for very long and he's been opening his big mouth really over the past few weeks and it, I think it's been more and more speculation about Zlatan moving coming out of his mouth rather than actually from Zlatan or Juventus' side. Horses, exactly, mm-hmm. the horse himself. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think it would be a strange one if PSG were just to bring him in for one year um, and then just let him go. Basically, quick, let's get the title and then we'll let him go. That's a bit of a weird manoeuvre. And he has been so vital to that squad that even if Cavani was to come in, I think that they would miss Zlatan a lot. And they would have to totally rebuild that squad again, like tactics um, and just their way of playing. Um, although Cavani would be a sensational signing for him. I can see Zlatan probably staying... Um, and Cavani not joining, but really? uh, yeah, I don't think Cavani will join. Um, I'll probably end up shooting myself in the foot by in saying that. Oh, that's a bit graphic, but yeah, um, I'm going to ignore that. Um, so Zlatan, I think he might stay, but I don't think he'll stay for long. Excellent. Leon and San Etienne drew 1-1 in an exciting Rhone derby. The result keeping San Etienne two points behind Leon in fourth. Marseille won 1-0 once again against Lorient to stay nine points behind PSG in second. That was Marseille's 12th 1-0 win of the season and their seventh straight clean sheet. It was Matthew Valbuena, who's been vital to their cause this year, who scored the winner. Now, I was reading in the Telegraph a couple of days ago how David Moyes was bemoaning Everton's record. They've had a lot of 1-0 wins. They're, I think, one of the lowest scoring teams in the league because they've been missing that big striker. We have talked about Juniak, who in more ways than one is a big striker. Do Marcy really need to improve on that rather than anything else? Because they do have a really solid keeper in Steve Mandanda. Yeah, well, obviously that's uh, seven clean sheets in a row uh, for Mandanda in the league. Um, but they they have had trouble scoring goals this season. Twelve one nil victories is a lot for any team, and um, you can't knock it. They're winning games. They're not conceding goals. It's decent, but it's probably not good enough in the eyes of many. Um, Gignac has really hit a return to form this year, but I think a lot of Marseille's play has been down to uh, Matthew Valbuena. He's had nine assists this year, and um, he's, that was his third goal of the season. He's been so vital to that team, and he's now become an integral part of the France national team. He's um, he's probably one of the first names in the team sheet now under Didier Deschamps, who really didn't like him at Marseille, actually. Um, so it's quite strange how that's worked out. But I think um, some work's going to need to be done. Marseille haven't got the best finances as they used to, um, but they do need to get someone that can maybe score a few more goals and then maybe next season they'll be 
more worthy challengers because it's nine points behind PSG and there probably would be a closer gap if there was more goals scored. Now, to reuse a pun from 18 months ago, relegation troubled so show made show of their relegation troubles as That's it came just from 3-0 down to draw against Lille, putting a dent in Lille's Champions League hopes. Sorry, Andy. Lille are now in fifth place and are three points behind Lyon, while Sochaux are 16th. Or, no, that's 18th, so I can't read Pete's writing. Nice took advantage of Lille's slip-up. <laughs> Shut up. Nice took advantage of Lille's slip-up to go equal and 57 points with them with their 3-1 win over Troy, keeping Nice in the hunt for the Champions League. But Troy are now six points from safety and look destined to go down. Andy, it's a bit of a mess at both ends of the table. I mean, Lille looking hopeful, but, I mean, that's a really bad loss to take. It is a bad result. Considering they were 3-0 up, um, so show managed to bring it back to three goals all and it was three goals from uh, all of them from three kicks which was quite strange two shots <laughs> the last one uh, Noguera uh, slipped as he went to hit it <laughs> and it, um, it went over the wall and Alana who was in goals was just shocking again as well uh, for two of the three kicks so yeah they'll be really disappointed and they'll be questioning why they got, uh, got rid of uh, Mikel Londro in goals Nice have had a great season under Claude Puel. Um, they've uh, gone from strength to strength. The signing of uh, Darius Vitanic, um, he has been phenomenal for them for the amount that they paid for him. Mm-hmm. I think it was just shy of £300,000 that they paid. Um, and he scored his 15th goal of the season at the weekend. Um, again, they'll be challenging for Champions League, or they are ch- challenging for Champions League. I don't think they'll get there. I think they'll get Europa League. Um Saint-Étienne and Lyon obviously played at a 1-1 draw. Um, They're very tight as well for Champions League places. Um, The problem I see is Saint-Étienne have already secured Europa League football by winning the Coupe de la Ligue. Um, They need to keep going in the league and try and secure Champions League football or else Aubameyang will definitely leave um, and they, they won't be able to bring in a suitable replacement for him. One of these weeks you're going to say his name right on a first attempt. I know. <laughs> I struggle, but he's so good. By the time you get it right, JFG will be dead and buried. Now we go over to the Eredivisie where Ajax edge closer to the Eredivisie league title and they can be champions with a win over Willem Toei on Sunday. PSV hammered Groningen 5-2. The Eindhoven side were 5-0 up at half-time and the bonkers scored continued where Feyenoord beat Heracles 6-0 and Vitesse overcame Willem Toei 3 goals to nil to ensure the battle for second place stays tight. The relegation battle heats up as Roda, who occupied the relegation playoff spot, put themselves within a point of RKC after beating the Walwick Club. Walwick. sorry, Club 3-1. Now, Pete, there's a lot of info there, but the last line simply says, Boney, Boney, Boney. Do you have something on your mind? No, I just... <laughs> Boney, yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, he's scored again at the weekend. He is now uh, Vitesse's highest scoring player Ever. in a single season. Uh, since in a lot since the mid nineties, they took over Nikos Matchlas's record. Who then went on to just utter obscurity after <laughs> leaving. I uh, went to Ajax, and then we never heard of him again. So let's hope this That's doesn't quite happen concerning. to Wilfred Daddy Cool Boney. Is he destined to leave? Yeah, definitely. It's going to happen. Um, he was almost left in February before the Russian transfer window was shut. Vitesse don't need to sell him. This is very important, but. They won't keep them on. They'll get an offer from somebody, Chelsea, West Ham. Andy McAllister. Uh, Andy, maybe. Uh, he, he, he said that his favourite league is the Premier League. He wants to play in the Premier League, but if they offer, if a team persuades him, then he'll, he'll either play in Russia, France, 
Serie A or Germany. So, so he'll, he'll play pretty much anywhere. Yeah, if you offer him enough money, he'll play in the third division of Scotland. So maybe. basically, Wilfred Boney know. likes about a dollar. Yeah, apparently, but he is also a charitable. He's person, a gold let's digger. Be honest, he's yep, yep. Uh, but he's he's a charitable guy. I mean, he is. It does seem like a very admirable person. Also, coming out of the test, Marco van Hinkel. Uh, said that he is not 100% sure whether or not he wants to stay. His no. main problem, along with um, Cassia, I think it was, uh, last week, who their issue is that Vitesse need to keep a hold of these players. And a lot of their players are on loan from Chelsea. And obviously the uncertainty that comes with that, are they going to stay for another year or are they not? Uh, and if they lose them, then Vitesse are really going to struggle. Uh, last week they were totally flat and dead against Feyenoord when they didn't have Wilfred Boney and Van Ginkel. Flat and dead. Yep, they were they were completely, oh, they were horrible. Um, and so that suggests that they, I think they, I think there's enough there to cover for the absence of, of Wilfred Boney, but the loss of him and Marco Van Ginkel, I think, sends the team years back. To the depths. Under, and, but the other thing is they have money to spend to bring in under, under Jordania. Um, very interesting week. And Eredivisie, the highest uh, highest number of goals in a single uh, weekend in the Dutch League, I'm told, from Simon Gleaver at Infostrada Sports, which is quite an interesting statistic. 4.333 goals per game this weekend in Eredivisie. Wow. Blah, blah, it was wonderful. But there was Far a wonderful, blah, blah. <laughs> there was a, a wonderful tribute to, to Mark Van Bommel in the PSV game after this. The PSV fans were singing uh, his name constantly. The big banner that said, in Dutch, Mark must stay. Mark Mutbleven, uh, because it has become more and more likely that he's going to retire this summer. Pierre van Hooydonk pissed off almost the entire <coughs> country when he said on Studio Football last week that uh, it was going to happen and that he had already made steps for his, his farewell match and approached uh, some former internationals. And, and uh, Ronald Vatterus was also on the panel. He was a bit like, hey, uh, is this not Mark's thing to say? Should he not be the one to, to, to announce such, such information? So I think that would be a horrible thing to see Mark retire I'm, I've not been his biggest fan throughout his career but I would be utterly devastated if he left if he quit football this week and this I'd, season sorry and I'd also be devastated to miss his lovely tackles he occasionally puts in yes of course and I mean well his first five games uh, of the of the season he was booked in every single one of them which is <laughs> utterly astounding I've got yeah. to be honest um, but the, also, the other big news is obviously that Ajax will be championing for the third successive time Johan Frank De Boer will be the first only the third coach in Ajax's history to win the league three times in a row under Renus Michaels and Louis van Gaal, I believe, which is utterly amazing. I mean, that's phenomenal. The guy is, I think, will be one of the best coaches in the world at one point. I think he's the next Barcelona coach. Um, but they are saying that he's going to sign a new three-year deal with Ajax, which means he's there for the long term, which I think is phenomenal for Ajax, phenomenal for Frank de Boer, and utterly incredible for Dutch football in general. And I think we're going to see more of that with Ronald Koeman staying at Feyenoord, uh, Ron Jans coming in at Pix, uh, 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 Pixvola, uh, Koku coming in at PSV, Marco van Basten at Heerenveen, um, and whoever else. And I think it's wonderful. I really do. I think the coaches are of... A, magnificent standard in Dutch football and I think the young players are coming up and we'll see more of it I think Pete's happy in his pants I was going to say he seems quite excited today he's what? actually he's, he's reaching forward he's stroking the speaker he's uh you're looking looking pretty agitated about Dutch football yeah because I keep thinking if I take a breath you're going to cut me off and the show will end <laughs> yeah. well to be honest your fear is realised because it's time for the show to end my thank you my deepest thanks 
to Andy Ferguson. Cheers, mate. How come he gets deeper thanks than I do? I want some deep Because thanks. he cuts me off in French football every week. That's every week. not true. Sure, yeah, we'll just put France in the smallest Quite part. right, quite right. Hey, hey, I'll fight you. So my, my deepest thanks to Andy Cheers. and my gratitude to Pete. Vaffanculo. I've been, I've been your host, Colin Stone. This has been Jumpers for Goalpost World Review. Thank you for listening. See you soon. That's amazing. Bitches beat all kinds of clay. That was good. That was sensational. Right, okay. <laughs>